What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by my man, David Lake, and it's Clemson week, guys. Uh, We are T-minus, what, four or five days until uh, Miami takes on Clemson in a number or a matchup of top 10 ranked teams. Um, Got a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to be joined by Clemson insider Anna Hickey. She's going to give her thoughts on the game, um, provide some areas where she thinks the Hurricanes could capitalize. Uh, And then on the back half, me and David are just going to kind of update you uh, with the latest coming out of Coral Gable. So let's get into the interview with Anna Hickey. Uh, we'll take a commercial break, and then it's going to be me and David. We are joined now by Clemson insider Anna Hickey. Anna runs the Clemson site in the 24-7 Sports Network. I've known her for a while since she covered Notre Dame, so I thought why not bring uh, the expert in. Anna, how you doing on this fine Wednesday? I'm good. What's up, guys? I'm uh, eager for this matchup. It's like I was talking to some other people. You know, I'm used to covering big Clemson games, but they're in the postseason where we know a lot about each team. You have a full season's body of work. And now to have this top seven matchup so early in the season when there's still unknowns for each team, it's it just it's totally different, you know, trying to put together this, this preview and kind of figuring out key matchups. Say, why don't we just start there? So, what do you feel like you do know about Clemson right now? And, and what do you feel like uh, you will find out about Clemson maybe during this Miami game? So I think, obviously, we know what Trevor Lawrence is. We know what Travis Etienne is. Um, I think we know what the offensive line is. It's a good, u- good unit um, for new starters, but they have a lot of experience. Um, and they're not going to get fooled, I don't think, by a lot of different pressures or fronts. Um, I do think we'll learn a little bit, though, specifically the tackles, how they perform against Roche and Phillips. I mean, they've gone against good um, ends before, but this definitely presents a unique test. Um, defensively, I think is where we'll learn a little bit more. Um, well, actually, I should go back to offense real quick. I think we will learn more about Clemson's pass catchers. Kind of a unit that doesn't have that one guy that you circle and say, okay, we've got to stop him, um, at least not to date. Amari Rogers has been good. Joseph Ngata has kind of been there, uh, came into the season, their boundary nine-man guy, uh, has been injured the past two games, hasn't played. So if he's healthy and full go, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of see what he can do in year two. Same with Frank Ladson, who Miami fans sure are familiar with. Uh, he's in a key role this year. So I think we will learn more about Clemson's pass catchers and what they can do when the when the lights are a little brighter without a T. Higgins or Justin Ross as that blanket. Um, defensively, I think we know that Venables is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, and he'll have a sound plan for uh, this Miami tempo, King, um, Brevin Jordan. Now, whether Clemson can execute it, we'll see. We'll see there. Um, like I said, it's inexperienced. They're still kind of coming together as a unit, especially in the secondary where they have three new starters. Only returning starter is Darren Kendrick at cornerback. So they're breaking two new safety starters. One, Nolan Turner has ample experience. The other, a sophomore, Landon Zanders, is pretty new to the scene. 
and struggled against Virginia, um, whether that was tackling or just in coverage. And Virginia likes to do some exotic things, so I think they made him think a little bit. But I think that'll be a key matchup in the middle of the field, how those safeties perform uh, defending Jordan and kind of what um, Miami likes to do in the middle of the field. So, yeah, I mean, I think Miami's going to learn some new things too, though, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Andrew. Well, before you get into the X, X and O's and the real nuts and bolts, I, I got to ask, is, is Anna, is Frank Ladson ahead of schedule or is he behind schedule? I mean, I, you, you mentioned it. Miami fans know who he is. Yeah. Uh, what, what, assess where he is. So I guess uh, in terms of what you think, what do you think your, his schedule should be? Like, is it a five-star schedule, high four-star? Like, what are you putting him there? I mean, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it, this, the time should be now. He should be yeah, m- maybe one of these guys. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, he was an early enrollee, I think. So he's been on campus for a while, knows the system, knows what's expected. And, I mean, he's flashed in the first three games this season. Uh, kind of as, as a co-starter. But like I said, this is – is he on schedule? I mean, this is kind of when we find out this week, I think. You know, like when maybe it's a tight game in the third quarter and Clemson needs to drive 70 yards, can he produce on third and long? Um, can he get behind corn, the, in the length and the speed that Miami has in the secondary? Can he make those contested throws or contested catches? I think we'll learn a lot about that this weekend. What would you say is the strength personnel-wise for, for Clemson's defense this year? So they're still trying to figure out their identity. Um, and if you guys know anything about Clemson's defense, it's run by Venables, and that's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. And in other words, you're not going to look at Clemson's defense um, in the past couple of years and be able to say, wow, there's a bunch of dudes that are going to play in the NFL outside of some guys up front, especially some younger players. But that said, I do think their defensive front is going to be their identity this year, um, especially once they get totally healthy past few games. They've been out two starters, Tyler Davis and Justin Foster, a tackle and an end. And then just Xavier Thomas, a former five-star, isn't even playing this year. He might get more action as the season goes on but they're holding him right now so um I just think they're too young in the secondary to really rely on that especially after because last year that was their identity when you had Kayvon Wallace and Tanner Muse and kind of those ball hawking safeties that would come up a ton and run support they knew they knew the defense like the back of their hand um they kind of picked up the slack for a young defensive front now this year I think roles are a little bit reversed and but the key question is, can the defensive front pick up the slack or the secondary? And I think it was interesting versus Virginia. Venables didn't dial up a lot of pressures, didn't kind of do a lot of exotic stuff in terms of what I could identify. Kind of as an amateur up there in the press box, looking it was a lot of three-man fronts, dropping into rush lanes, trying to take away that for Brennan Armstrong, um, which really didn't work because he had success scrambling, which is not a good sign when Clemson's trying to go up against King. But I do think you might see Venables switch up that game plan a little bit, bring pressure from different areas, um, and, and, and kind of try to catch King off guard because I don't think you can play vanilla against him and just expect um, your secondary to kind of hang in there 
um, when he has time, especially because I know he likes to throw first and he's an accurate guy and he will take shots downfield. Yeah, I guess, you know, you, you touched on Brennan Armstrong, the Virginia quarterback, having some set success with his legs. Um, wh which side of the coin do you view it as, you know, in terms of moving forward to Miami now? Was it a good thing that they saw that look and now they could maybe make some tweaks? Or do you think it was a little bit alarming, you know, maybe exposing some personnel issues? If that, if that does exist, I don't know. Uh, I guess just which, which side of the coin would you say uh, you see it from uh, in terms of what the Virginia game might mean for defending Derek King? Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest questions I have going into this game, and I don't know if I could tell you right now. Um, the one thing I will say, and I kind of touched on it before, is I think Venable's game plan will be different this week. Mm -hmm. I don't think they'll try to defend King like they defended Armstrong, not because they're necessarily too – I mean, King is obviously more dynamic, but not because he thinks that they're totally different, but because it didn't work, and I think – also part of it too was Clemson was not good in space tackling. Um, and normally they're very good sound in that department. So I, I kind of view that as an anomaly. Um, we'll see if that's better this week, but yeah, you're right. I mean, especially in the first half, you'd look up and, and Armstrong would be scrambling, having success. He's a tough runner. You take off and you have a third and short or he pick up a first down. Um, so you know, I think Clemson's going to have to have, I mean, they're obviously going to have to have a game plan for that and what they do. I don't know, but um, I don't think it'll be dropping into rush lanes and trying to keep everything in front of them. I think they'll have to kind of dial it up and bring some stuff and, and make him uncomfortable. I want to ask some, some housekeeping stuff. You already touched on, like, I think it's fair to say you expect Tyler Davis and, and Justin Foster to be a go this week. Is that fair to say? Justin Foster, no, I do not expect okay. him to be so. Um, Sweeney's been kind of a little touch and go with him, I guess. He hasn't played yet this season. Um, I think part of it's COVID protocol, part of it's an injury, and okay. Dabo has gotten the weed there. But bottom line, yeah, I don't expect to see him. I do expect to see Tyler Davis, who was actually cleared last week versus Virginia and could have gone in, warmed up and everything. But I think just for out of uh, caution, they just decided to hold right. him for this and he's a big deal to get back, right? He was he was a very good true freshman defensive tackle for, for yeah, Clemson he was last year. Defensive lineman last year as a true freshman. Um, so yeah, that would be a pretty big deal. Is there anyone else anyone else that's under that Tyler Davis category of they haven't necessarily been playing in these first three games, but they're going to be back for this Miami game? One that's on the fence. I do think you will see him. Um, whether or not he's a hundred percent is a different question, but is the wide receiver I referenced, Joseph Ngata, their right. primary boundary. Um, he's been limited the past two games with an ab injury, just hasn't been able to accelerate fully. So they essentially just not played him a ton. Um, and like I said, Dabo's kind of giving you the company line, and we'll see. I don't know. He's not really giving too much specifics there, but I think one of the main reasons they have held him out these past two games is so that he's, you know, good long-term and that starts versus Miami. So I, I lean towards, yes, we will see him this weekend. Anna, what about Clemson's uh, offensive line? How do you kind of assess the play of that unit through three games? And I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, 
Miami's got two very good pass rushers. Um, do you think they will be able to fend those guys off or are they going to have to scheme around them or, or what? Yeah, so I think part of it is going to be what Miami does. And we asked Dabo this week, it's like, do you, does Miami just line up <clears throat> their four up front and kind of expect them to get after it? And then they, you know, they don't as much necessarily mix it up in terms of bringing a corner blitz or bringing an extra hat. And he said they will do that at times. They'll definitely will mix up pressures and stuff. But yes, by and large, they do expect their front four to get pressure um, to kind of wreak havoc up there. So if it's just like mano y mano, like, hey, like I'm blocking this guy and this is what I know I've got to do for the entire four quarters, I think it'll be I think it'll be a really good test and I think it'll be a good battle. And Dabo said yesterday, he said, if I'm a fan in the stands, like that's what I, my eyes are locked in on. It's two and 15 on the outside for Miami versus Jackson Carmen and Jordan McFadden. Um, that's where he said, quote, like that's where I think the game's going to be won and lost. So um, yeah, I think, you know, Jackson Carmen is a returning left tackle. He's a returning starter. He's had some experience going up some elite, against some elite defensive ends. Jordan McFadden is better run blocking than he is pass protection, but um, so I think this will be a, a pretty big test for him. He's a first-year starter, um, but overall, I do expect the offensive line to hold up pretty well um, there. I got another question for you. Um, there's a growing theory on our message board, and I haven't even gone over to your message board to see if we have the same post, but Everyone's concerned about the weather on Saturday night. Uh, it looks like there's a chance there could be some rain in the area. Do you think that favors Clemson? It hurts Clemson or, or what? I mean, I don't really have an answer for how that would impact Miami's game. I, I'm not sure. You know, people think Miami seemed to be able to run the ball and, and the stats back that up. But what do you think if, if weather plays a factor in all this? Does that hurt Clemson's chances or help? Ah. Uh... I don't know. I mean, I will say, yeah, there's supposed to be rain on Saturday. I looked at kind of peaked at the forecast yesterday. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like hurricane like condition. Like, I think you're going to have like swirling winds and flooding and just like you can't even see the field. I think it will be, could be some rain, but um, I don't know. I guess it just depends on what the conditions are. If there is just some consistent rain, I think there might, I don't know, maybe that favors Clemson. Um, just because I think Clemson's going to try to pound the rock a lot with Travis um, and make Miami show that they can be better defending him than they were against Louisville. I know that their run defense was a little iffy at times there. Um, so I don't know. But then again, like Miami kind of thrives on the gadget plays sometimes, the explosive plays and rain. I guess rain can kind of be conducive to that confusion, you know, especially when you add in tempo all sorts of things could happen. So I don't know. I think as long as both teams are having to go through it, I don't know if it necessarily favors one over the other. It's such like a fan question. I don't know. I just, I had to ask for for your opinion on it. Like I think there's I, the latest forecast says there could be almost an inch of rain on, on Saturday. Like to me, it's, it is what it is, but I mean, people always, yeah. you know, when there was like four or five topics on it, I, I feel like it needs to be addressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Especially because it's not just rain. It's like, okay, you hear about hurricane coming. So it kind of makes your ears perk up a little bit. But yeah, I don't think Clemson's going to get hurricanes out of weather. Let me ask, we got to ask you about Trevor Lawrence. Um, if we're going to talk Clemson, what, uh, what area would you say he's improved or is playing his best 
you know, this year compared to his first two years, what, what have you noticed from these first three games that, that he's even better in 2020? I would say he's taking what the defense is giving him. Last year, especially in the beginning of the year, forced too many throws downfield. Um, I think just coming into the year with a lot of expectations, kind of felt like he had to make those big-time throws. This year, um, he's definitely – I mean, he he's, hasn't thrown an interception. Um, he's checking down when he needs to. He's tucking and run when running when he needs to. He's just been extremely accurate on his intermediate throws especially. Um, and he just has total command of the offense. He sees everything so well. He knows what defenses are trying to do. He's, he's, and he's also operating at a, at a faster pace. Clemson's made it an emphasis this year to run more tempo. Um, they want to get at least 80 plays, and they've done that well. Um, yeah, I think it's just the total command of the offense and what, Clem, and what Clemson wants to do on that side of the ball. He just has a complete grasp of it. Do you think – do you think this Miami team is in, you know, it's not, it's not exactly a stellar group that he's played against in conference, you know, as a starter, but is it fair to say in your opinion, like this Miami team might be the best ACC team he's faced that, you know, understanding he's been in the playoff and all that he's faced plenty of yeah. good teams there, but in terms of conference game, is this maybe the biggest test he's, he's faced so far at Clemson? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's faced some good, some good defenses. Um, you know, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't include Notre Dame in the playoff in the ACC, but that was a pretty good defense. Um, but yeah, like I said, not in the ACC. Yeah, I think it's definitely. I hadn't really thought about that, but very well could be in terms of like athleticism and the just kind of the dudes that you have on defense that have the potential to play on Sundays, the length and kind of what you look for. In a football player, yeah, I think so. Now I know it's like a, it's a first, it's a scheme that's kind of new. These guys are learning how to play together, so I think it could be some, some cracks here and there. But um, yeah, I definitely think it could be up there. I know Virginia, Virginia is totally different. They have a good defense. Um, they just they're they're so disciplined, such good coaching, but obviously their athletes are just not the same caliber. If you were, this is a, a tough question, but I, I genuinely am, am curious what, what the answer would be. If you were, so like, if you were a defensive coordinator, um, would you put your effort into trying to contain Travis Etienne, the running back, or Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, first? Like, what would be your first key if you were a defensive coordinator? I'd probably do what I've seen most defensive coordinators do in that scenario because they faced it last year, same conundrum. Um, especially in this year, it's even more magnified. I would focus on stopping the run um, because – not because of Travis – I mean, not because of Trevor, but because of what Clemson has on the outside. And they just – the wide receivers haven't yet proven themselves. And they, maybe they do this week, but I think you make the wide receivers show that they can – move the chains they can get open they can create separation they can haul in those back shoulder throws that trevor likes to throw they can get open on the deep ball i think you make them show that you can do that and you try to take away travis first because if you let travis get going that opens up the entire offense he has such good contact balance you need you mean you can't just rely on an arm tackle to bring him down um so explosive and powerful i, I if i was a defensive coordinator i would devote to bodies in the box i think I guess, Anna, we got to ask, um, 
what's your prediction for this upcoming Saturday? So do you need like a score prediction or can I just say who wins or who covers? What do you, you you can handicap it however you want. Like I'm not going to limit you to uh, 30 seconds. I mean, you can give me your full synopsis of the game and matchup if you want and, and tie that into a prediction. And then if you want to give a score, you can do that as well. Open-ended. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a score prediction yet. And I think kind of score predictions are a little overrated. I think just kind of talking about the matchup is more insightful. But I do think Clemson will win. Um, just because a lot of, I mean, a lot of it's because they've just been in these types of games before and um, they know what it takes. And then I, I do think that offensively for both teams, there's going to be some explosive plays. So I think I'm on the over right now. What is it? I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but uh, is it 45? It's like, no, it's way more than that. It's like 62. It's 60, yeah, somewhere in the low 60s, which honestly – Okay, tell me your take on this, Anna, because like I'm seeing a lot of underplays, and, and the reason why is this Dabo Sweeney gets conservative in big games theory. Do you buy into that at all? Like, I honestly have no clue if that's a thing or not. What What would you say? To that? Uh, like conservatively on offense? Yes, yes. Uh, no, I don't buy into that. Okay. Uh, I would take – I almost would take the over because I think we're gonna just going to see explosive play. Like I said, I think we're going to see explosive plays from both teams. Um, I know Miami's given up some bigger runs. And then Clemson's secondary surrendered some bigger pass plays last week against Virginia. Uh, and then both teams obviously have the playmakers and the athletes to create those explosive plays. So I think we'll see a game in the 30s. Um, but the reason I'm going with Clemson is, like I said, I just trust the fact that they've been there before. And then I also trust Venables to come up with a defensive game plan to kind of limit the effectiveness of Kane and Jordan. I mean, they're going to have their fair share of plays. They're going to make plays. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to do a pretty good job of, or I should say do a better job than what teams have so far done against them. Um, and then I just think Travis is going to be hard to stop. Um, Miami hasn't necessarily showed the horses or the, you know, the ability to slow down um, an elite running back. So um, those are the two main reasons I think I'm going with Clemson. Do you think Miami can score 30 points? I mean, I, I guess you kind of said that you see, see it getting into the 30s, but do you think Miami could get to that 30-point range? I do. And I – have to go back and look at this, but I can't remember the last time a team has scored more than 25 against Clemson, an ACC team in regular season play. I think it's been a while. So I should, I should, I, need, I do need to go back and look that up. But I, I do think, especially after what we saw last week, um, I think there's some, some big plays to be made. And like I said, Miami has those guys to make them, whether it's Harris. I know he has the only running back right now in college football to have two 60 yard plus runs. Um, and then, and how did this happen, by the way? Was it versus Louisville? Did he just get on the edge? Uh, it was a uh, UAB. He had one on fourth and one. And uh, it was just kind of UAB had everyone at the line of scrimmage. He made a guy miss and was gone. And then, yeah, the Louisville play that you're talking about, he, he got to the, the right edge and there was no one there. So, yeah, but he, he has improved. He is one of, he's not, 
you know, on Travis Etienne's level, but he is, I think, one of the better backs in the ACC this year. Um, yeah. Because of the improvements he's made since last year. Yeah. Can, can yeah. I follow that up with another running back related question for Anna? Yeah. What, what happened? I need a refresher on this because I was thinking about it over the weekend. Wasn't there a time when we all thought Jalen Knighton was going to Clemson? Like yeah. that was what, like what happened? It was, the, were they waiting for someone else? Well, it was elite junior Clemson's quote unquote elite junior day last year around January. And like that was, he was, and there, that's a very exclusive event. Clemson only invites kids that they really want. And he was invited to that. Came, I think he wanted to commit. Clemson kind of wanted to pump the brakes there a little bit. Um, wanted him to go home and kind of think about it just because I, they didn't want him to commit off emotion. Clemson's big on, you know, they don't have a lot of decommitments. They're very, they take a commitment very seriously. And I think they just worried that he was just caught up in the moment a little bit. And I think once once par- both parties kind of sat on it, rested on it, I don't think it ended up being a match. I can't remember the exact details or how it went down, but yeah, obviously Bowman, who's now going to Florida, but that's a whole other story. Um, and then they picked up another back too. So they did end up taking two backs in the class. Um, but yeah, there definitely was a point where I don't know if I had a crystal ball in, but I, I think I definitely did. Yeah. It was like people thought he was going to Clemson. No, it's just an interesting storyline. I mean, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can't be like, oh, they should have took him over Demarcus Bowman, but I'm sure he's going to get a carry at some point on Saturday, and there's going to be Clemson fans sitting in the stands going, hey, I remember that guy. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Anything else from you, David? I'm good. Yeah, no, that was. this has been great, Anna. Appreciate you coming on with us. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think it'll be a fun game. I do have, I do have one more question for you, Anna. This is my first, the first game I'm going to attend uh, as a media member in 2020. What is the, yeah, we're coming up. What's the press meal situation looking like at Clemson? Okay, so normally you get like your typical southern like (laughs) sandwiches and like sort of thing, but because of COVID, everything's prepackaged. So you're getting at least last week we had some chips. Candy bar. Oh and then, gosh! <laughs> and then it's like a pre-made um, sandwich. I think it was roast beef. It was okay, but um, if you're if you're hungry, I, and they have like popcorn at halftime, I think. But you can definitely, I would definitely recommend. I kind of bring in my own food because I just never know what they're gonna have now. So okay. Well, yeah. you, I'm disappointed now. So, David, we're definitely we're definitely stopping somewhere before the game. Sounds uh, good to me. Anna, tell everyone how they can uh, find you, your work. It's on, on. They should be following you this week. So, where do they follow you on Twitter? Uh, Anna H two four seven. Will be I'll be on Twitter, and uh, I know normally when these things come out, Miami fans or not Miami fans, but just opposing teams will call the guests like a homer. And I hope I didn't come across like that, even though I picked Clemson. I really do think Miami. Not at all. No, Uh, everything you said is extremely fair and on point. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say I talk about is like, I'll be interested to see how Clemson defends uh, Miami's tempo. I think that could cause some issues. And then I also think Brevin Jordan, like no matter what you try to do to scheme against him, I just don't know if Clemson has the horses. I think that's a matchup problem there. Um, so those are 
two other things. I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm going to have my eye on. All right, Anna. Well, we appreciate it. We'll let you get out of here and we'll see you on Saturday. Thanks, Anna. All right. Guys. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, David, what's up, man? How how has Zoom life been? Zoom life's been good, yeah. Yesterday, or I guess I should say Tuesday, we got the coordinators so Rhett Lashley Blake Baker and Manny Diaz uh that's a change because normally we get them Monday don't really know why we had the change up uh no one really cares except for media but uh it was interesting that we got them Tuesday and then also I was I've definitely been locked into all the interviews going on on the Clemson side of things too so definitely a lot of information to gather sort through sift through and you know I do think this is going to be a fun game. There's definitely some interesting predictions and talking points out there with the college football experts around this game. Bottom line is it's just fun for Miami to be back in the spotlight, back in these meaningful games, because uh, it, it really hasn't been something that's that's been consistent over the last, I don't know, 16, 17 years. So fun to be, be on this stage and uh, – you know, I think one of the, the interesting talking points Manny Diaz made during his session with the media was, you know, he thinks a big key to the game is how does Miami handle this, this uh, spotlight? How do they handle this moment on this stage? Because you look across the field at Clemson, Clemson is used to being in these type of games. So they're not going to let the moment overwhelm them. Uh, is Miami going to have that same poise uh, this week at Clemson. I think that is going to be a big key, particularly in the first quarter. So how does Miami settle into the game? I think after the first quarter, if things aren't a blowout, which the last two times Miami has played Clemson, it's been a blowout after one quarter. Um, But if that's not the case this Saturday at Clemson, you know, I think Miami's got a puncher's chance to stay in this game and, and make it interesting. How many guys on Miami's current roster actually played against Clemson in that uh, 2017 ACC title game? I know Zach McLeod is one. Yeah. Mike Harley, is, is there others? Or is there a bunch or no? I think those would be the only two. I mean, John Ford was on the team. Um, but yeah, like McLeod's probably the one guy. Um, that, and Harley, you know, right? That played significant roles, and uh, 
you know, were, was on the team at that time. So, yeah, I mean, again, like they weren't on the field for that game, a lot of the team, uh, a lot of this year's team. But so, you know, it is a, it is a significant storyline. Like how is Miami going to handle this stage? It's a road game. Um, you know, even though there is only 18,000 fans in the stands and it's not going to be your typical Death Valley experience, um, it's still it's still a situation where Miami's going to be out of their comfort zone compared to what it's like playing at Hard Rock Stadium. So, um, you know, this is where having a guy like Derek King at quarterback, a redshirt senior, is a big deal. He's, he's a steadying force w- with his vibe and leadership and uh you know in in these type of games having a guy like that at quarterback is a big deal in college football it's crazy I didn't even think about it till Anna kind of brought it up but Trevor Lawrence has not thrown an interception this season uh King has not thrown an interception this season so they both played three games Um, yeah and you wrote on Wednesday on our site like the turn the turnover battle excuse me is going to be yeah. a huge storyline in this whole thing. And um, I know this is like real, not nerdy, but uh, something that you got to consider. Like what does Miami do at punt return or two of Miami's three turnovers this season have come on Mark Pope muffed punts. Um, right. So, uh, you know, I, there's people calling for change. Have to remember Gervin Hall, Miami's safety who has been used, I think he's got, what, one or two returns this season. You can't, you know, designate him as the number one punt returner because he's serving a suspension for uh, the first two quarters after getting called for targeting against Florida State. So do you roll Xavier Restrepo, a freshman out there? I mean, I don't uh, – okay. that, that, that makes me a little more uneasy than I feel about Pope, as crazy as that sounds. Right. So I asked Manny, you know uh, – are you giving guys looks at punt return this week? Because, you know, on the official quote unquote depth chart on Monday, Mark Pope is still listed as the starter. Um, And Manny did say, you know, those depth charts are whatever, and that they are working other guys in at punt return this week. Now it still could be Mark Pope. Um, Like you said, I think Xavier Restrepo it's fair to say would be another option. I think he's listed as the third string punt returner. Second string is the guy you mentioned to Gervin Hall, who's not going to be available in the first half due to the targeting penalty against Florida state. Um, I would say I, I am intrigued again. He's another freshman though. And so you're asking a lot of a freshman in this situation. I would be intrigued by Jalen Knighton in that role too. Um, but it sounds like you would stick with Pope. Is that fair to say? Cause I don't know if I would, but you would stick with Pope. Uh, yeah. And which is going to sound, I know people are driving down the road groaning about that, but we've heard it time and time again from, uh, this staff that, um, you know, they, they think Pope is close to turning the corner or getting it together and he just needs some confidence. So, Yes, he's made some mistakes, and um, Miami hasn't paid for those mistakes yet. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if you send the right message pulling him. Um, yeah. You know. Because it could affect his confidence at wide receiver. That's, 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 that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, I, would, right. I guess I would roll with Pope just because 
I would be more nervous about Restrepo being back there in probably the biggest game Miami's played in what, like 10 years. Um, and and you're asking him to return a punt. So I don't know. I think you just kind of got to go with it. I mean, heck Miami probably really, really misses KJ Osborne right now. (laughs) Yes. To your point though, with, with the turnover margin and the turnover battle, and I understand it's cliche to, to say, Oh, turnovers will determine the game. But like you alluded to, these have been two teams so far this year that have done an excellent job of protecting the football. Um, and Trevor Lawrence, he, yes, he has not thrown an interception this season. That streak, he currently has a, a streak of attempted passes without an interception that I think is now at 314 attempts. Yeah, over 11 which, games. Which is ridiculous. So he does a good job of protecting the football. We know Derek King does as well. He, he was very good at protecting the football um, back in his days at Houston as well. So, you know, all it's going to take maybe is that which defense is able to, to make that one turnover, make that one difference, and then can that team capitalize on that turnover? You know, the margins, they're slim. If Miami is going to beat Clemson, they have to win in the margins, quite frankly, because they are not – the more talented team, they are not the deeper team, but they are talented enough to make this a game. Um, and, and so it's in those margins, like special teams and, and the turnover battle where Miami has to win the game. And, uh, you know, so these things, this, this minutia that we're talking about now, it definitely matters in this game. Something else I thought Anna brought up, she kind of squeezed it in there really late, um, was the fact that, she doesn't think Clemson has much of an answer for Brevin Jordan. I agree. Um, I, I'm trying to find the stat right now. I'm like going through. Uh, well, I can talk about that. So, you know. Go, yeah, you go through it. I'm going to find the stat. <laughs> watching, watching Virginia, right? Um, Clemson play Virginia. It's pretty clear that, that Clemson doesn't necessarily have the most fluid athletes at linebacker and safety. And, uh, you know, there's definitely opportunities there, not only for the tight ends, I think the slot receiver. So Mike Harley, I think he's going to have opportunities. I think the running backs in the passing game, if we see that expand a little bit, uh, against Clemson, their roles in that regard, which I think is a possibility because, you know, Rhett Lashley has had a bye week to kind of install some new wrinkles or, or add some new looks to the offense. So I would, I would utilize Jalen Knighton as a pass receiver, you know, try and get Jalen Knighton matched up against these linebackers and safeties, because I do think Miami can beat those guys from an athletic standpoint. Um, so yes, I agree. Like I think Brevin Jordan can potentially have a huge game. Now Clemson of course knows this, like Clemson, knows that Miami's going to try and exploit this and they're going to put together a game plan that that try and hides their linebackers and safeties in these matchups. Um, so it's going to be an interesting chess match in that regard. Okay, found, found it. Uh, I knew I saw this on Twitter. David Hale, who works for ESPN, I don't really know what his title is there, but he always tweets out very interesting analytics and stats. Um, this was two days ago, so maybe Monday. He said in two Natty games, so national championship games, O.J. Howard, former Alabama tight end, who is now with the Tampa Bay Bucks, 
had yeah. 314 yards against Clemson. Nick O'Leary for Florida State back in 2013 had 161 yards receiving. Um, some guy for Pitt, don't know how to pronounce his last name, had 128 yards receiving in Pitt's 2016 upset. I think that's one of the last times Clemson has lost at home. Uh, and then Thad Moss, who was at LSU, had two touchdowns in last year's national championship game. So basically, Clemson's D versus tight ends is always interesting. And then he notes that Miami's obviously got two good ones. Um, and I, I think Will Mallory, Miami's coach, has made it seem like he's finally healthy, correct? Am I wrong on that? They're saying that. I'm not necessarily – I don't know if he's like 100% ready to go. They, they alluded to the fact that he has been banged up uh, the last two games, and they alluded to the fact that he's, he's good to go. But, you know, you never know. In 2020, like we can't go out to practice and see if he's actually practicing – Etc. But I think it's fair to say, I think it's fair to assume he is going to be good to go. Um, and it, I guess that kind of makes sense why, like, he didn't get a ton of snaps against Florida State. And like, yeah, he only played one quarter, pretty right. much. Yeah, because but we, we were wondering he got why that like, bad face mask. Remember? Ah, uh, okay. And I think that messed him up. I mean, it, it looked painful. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look. It, there's no doubt that there is a trend there. And I think, too, like when you look back at last year's personnel on defense for Clemson, the guy who they would put uh, in a position to deal with these tight ends would be Isaiah Simmons. And, you know, Isaiah Simmons is not there anymore. Um, and not many guys are going to be able to replace an Isaiah Simmons skill set. So, it's definitely a concern when you combine that with the running ability of Derek King. Um, I think there is some concerns from a Clemson defensive standpoint in terms of how much are they going to be able to contain them. And, you know, Anna kind of made that clear too, I think by saying she thinks Miami can score in the thirties uh, against Clemson, which not many people are not many national experts are, are recognizing. Oh, wait, Josh Pate said he thinks they can score in the 30s, right? Right, correct, yeah. yes. Those are the two. Okay, yeah, I know. Everyone's on the uh, – like, everyone is on the under. What do you think about her saying that Miami has struggled to contain running backs? What do you think about that? Well, I think it's fair. If, if you look at, like, Javian Hawkins, right? I mean, they didn't contain Javian Hawkins. Um, and Travis Etienne is a better running back than uh, JV and Hawkins. Now, JV and Hawkins is probably a, a tick faster and, and, you know, can accelerate a tick better than Travis Etienne. But, you know, Travis Etienne blows JV and Hawkins away in every other regard at the running back position. So I think it's fair. Uh, you know, I mean, Miami's linebackers do need to get better. Um, there's no doubt, especially on stretch runs. When they're asked to run sideline to sideline, there's – there's been some poor angles, some poor tackling, quite frankly, in terms of like wrapping up. So, you know, I, I do think we've seen Zach McLeod, BJ Jennings make slight improvements over the course of the season, but they need to take a big jump this week against Clemson. Um, I, we haven't discussed this on the podcast yet, but are you, how, how big of it, how much does it hurt Miami that Gervin Hall will have to sit out two quarters? 
Well, I don't think it hurts if nothing happens to Amari Carter and Bubba Bolden, right? So, like, if Amari does not get a targeting penalty or if if those guys don't sustain injuries, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, if one of those guys goes down for whatever reason, it's yeah. it's kind of a disaster because, I mean, I, I do like Brian Balaam, the true freshman who they would insert there, but he's not ready for this, I would assume, at this point in his career. No. Um, you know what that would give me shades of? Is when uh, last time Miami played Clemson and they were so dinged right. up. And it was like Derek Smith out there in the slot just getting because Bandy, right? Bandy got hurt or something. Yeah, like I think he was in the striker role at that time. I don't even know what he was in, but it was bad. Yeah, yeah, they picked on Derek Smith some. That definitely happened. So, and, and look, Clemson is that type of program where they understand like if one of those safeties goes down, they're going to test that backup immediately. And, and Trevor Lawrence has the talent to do it. And their offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, is smart enough to, to go at that. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of a, a two-pronged answer. If everything is fine, you know, we've seen Amari Carter and Bubba Bolden be able to do it and, and do it at a pretty high level. But if something happens to either one of those guys, things are going to get a little, bit, a little bit scary for, you know, the first half. Last thing I want to uh... – touch on and i don't really know the answer i I feel bad because i I didn't look for this yesterday what's going on with the offensive line um they came out with a two deep uh john campbell the one uh, at left tackle do you think that's gonna be the case or do you think zion nelson will be the guy well so on the depth chart is listed as an or right okay i missed Um, that so i don't know (laughs) um okay you know maybe what, what do you think they should do Honestly, I, I think they should keep going with John Campbell as the starter. And if you want to rotate in Zion, then do that. Um, from what Manny told us after that game, John Campbell did not start against Florida State because of an injury. Right, right. So, you know, can you necessarily bench a guy because of an injury? You know, I don't, I don't know. Like, that's, that's, that's not right to me. Um, but... Okay. You know, John Campbell's going to have that pressure on him to perform. And if he, if he messes up against Clemson, it's going to be a quick hook and Zion Nelson gets to go out and show what he does. So I would expect, I am expecting John Campbell to continue to start, but I do think we're going to see more Zion Nelson rotated in. Well, I mean, just think of this. Miami has the luxury where you have to yeah. figure out who you start at left tackle. That has not been the case in a long, long time at, 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 for this program. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good problem to have, especially when you think back to the 2019 season. So, um, what, do you agree with my take? Though, would you would you stick with John, or did you like what you saw at Zion so much you want to roll with him now? I just think Zion's very athletic, um, and yeah. I know Anna touched on how Clemson's front is still kind of getting its uh, soldiers back, and and uh, not a mash unit right now, but not full strength. I just think that's – they recruit five stars. They recruit studs. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't hurt having a more athletic lineman. And I don't – not saying John Campbell's not athletic. I just think Zion's maybe on a uh, little bit different level. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. And, 
you know, interesting Zion thing. He's from South Carolina too, right? So, I mean, I don't think he was ever on Clemson's recruiting. No, no, no. But I'm sure it's, it's a, you know, there's some kind of motivation there for, for Zion, I'm sure. So it would, I'm saying it would be fun for him to play against Clemson and you would hope that he'd perform at a high level if he gets that opportunity. Right. David, let's talk about our road trips. We're both going to go to the Clemson game. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be fun. You know, I feel like this is, like I said in the last podcast, this is probably the biggest game I've covered at Miami since starting the website. Uh, so I just feel like I need to be there. Um, traveling through a pandemic, let's let's do it. Possible and, hurricanes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get some hurricane bands maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be fun. And I want to see how Miami handles this uh, this game in person. And, uh, you know, I, I think we'll learn a lot from this game. So I want to be there in person. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, last time you and you did the road trip was the Florida state game last year. Hey, that, that turned out up. well. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the last time I traveled to see Clemson <sighs> in Charlotte, it did not turn out well. So yes, hopefully it's a new trend bringing you along and having you there. <laughs> Okay. All right, guys. Well, we're probably going to do another podcast. Uh, we'll drop on Friday, um, full coverage of the game on Saturday, and then I'm sure we'll have a reaction from the road or wherever on uh, yeah. on Sunday. So Stay locked onto the website. I got, I got some interesting articles coming, I think, um, where I take some looks at, you know, some, some teams that have had some success against Clemson with the Trevor Lawrence era and what those teams did well, what didn't, what didn't go well for those teams. So I think it'll be an interesting read. So check out InsideTheU.com. I think on Thursdays when I'll drop that article. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Take care.